You're listening to DraftKings Network. Time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. This is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. It is, of course, presented by DraftKings. Thank goodness for those guys. And we are continuing to get you ready for the NFL draft and really getting you ready for any dynasty drafts going on, any best ball drafts you've got going on, trying to get you ready for those things now so that you know and have a good grasp and grip on what we think of these prospects before the draft. Obviously, we'll be all over all of the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends after the draft as well. But we know some of you already have dynasty drafts, already have best balls that you're doing now before the draft. We want to make sure that you're doing that informed and that you have a pretty good feel for these prospects heading into the NFL draft. You can check me out on social media. At Ross Tucker NFL, that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. If you're whatever one you're on, I'm on. At Ross Tucker Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. You can always check us out at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Last week, we dove into the quarterbacks and top and talked about the top five guys. So if you missed it, go back and check that one out. And he did such a good job last week that we brought him back this week. Not only do we have our guy Joe Dolan, at FG underscore Dolan, but he brought his buddy along as well, at BG Whitefield, to talk NFL draft process. He has a name, by the way. His name is Brett Whitefield. should probably give the name and then the handle. That would be amazing, by the way, if someone just named their child a handle now. Like, that's the next step, I think. Oh, boy. Is to, like, for marketing, is like, Oh, here's my son. Here's my son at football lover or, or at BG Whitefield at Ross Tucker NFL. That would be epic. All right, Joe, we're going to say it every week. Reiterate why we are doing what we are doing today. Yeah, so well, it, it's a matter of getting to know the prospects before they're drafted, understanding their skill sets, where they fit in within an NFL offense. Now, I thought it was interesting how you broke down the running back class. You said you've heard some good things. You've heard some things where, uh, you know, there's a bunch of guys, but it's a bunch of guys. And it reminds me of a comment that um, Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points kind of made on on Twitter last week when he was discussing this class. He said, if I'm doing a dynasty draft before the NFL draft, he said he's not going to have any of these running backs with the exception of B. John Robinson on his team. And what that means is he believes these guys are so landing spot dependent that despite what you think of their, their talent and their ability, they could land in a spot where they're just useless in their first season or maybe they get drafted a little later than you expected and then they're buried and then the next year they're, they're replaced in the NFL draft. I'm not sure I feel entirely that way, and we'll talk to Brett about the the prospects because I think Jameer Gibbs is a really good prospect, and I think he's going to go on day two and relatively early on day two. But that just goes to show you that in this day and age, in a class like this, where there is one guy so clearly above the rest of them, 
and everybody else is landing spot dependent, you might be able to create somewhat of an edge by really pivoting to the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and the tight ends in your dynasty drafts that occur before the NFL draft. Now, after the NFL draft is a different story. If, say, a prospect like Tajay Spears, who you might have a late day two, early day three grade on, and some team drafts him in the top 50, and then you're like, whoa, they really like him. I've got to reevaluate my my um, grade on Tajay Spears. That's a different story. But before the draft, for a class like this, where there are so many good running backs just kind of bunched up, um, it, it's really kind of hard to separate them. Interesting. Um, man, but we know rookie running backs play a lot usually. Oh, yes, but depending on where they go, right? Like, so, you know, what if what if somebody like a Tank Bigsby, for instance, just gets buried? Like, he's just like, oh, you know, a team drafts him. Oh, we thought he was the best one on the board, you know? I remember a couple years ago when Kenny Gainwell came out of Memphis. And, you know, I remember Greg Cosell saying on this podcast, I'm not sure what Brett thought of him, but Greg Cosell, you know, I thought he was the best receiving running back in the draft. And everybody, draft Twitter, fantasy Twitter, thought he was a lock to go on day two of the NFL draft. He falls to the fifth round. He goes to the Eagles, who already had Miles Sanders, already had Boston Scott, and maybe he struggled to get on the field a little bit in his first year. That That's a situation that happens every single year in the NFL draft with these running backs. Let's get into it, Brett. Um, it's a good point, Joe, and it's well taken about situation. You're right. Um I'm assuming B. John Robinson's your number one guy, Brett, but I don't want to assume that because I, I've heard other people, I don't know if it was Greg Cosell or Emery Hunt on the College Draft podcast or, or Greg Cosell on Ross Hacker Football Podcast, they like Gibbs more. They, they like Gibbs in the passing game. They like Gibbs' explosiveness. What do you think? Yeah, Bijan is my, my clear RB1. He scores as like my third best running back ever, and I've this is probably my eighth or ninth class doing this. So he's right up there with Zeke Elliott and Christian McCaffrey when they were coming out. Those were previously my two highest guys. So Bijan's right right in between those guys, actually. So, yeah, I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's – there isn't a single thing he can't do on the football field. You talk about his ability in the pass game, there's there's a difference between a pass catcher and a pass game weapon. I think Bijan is a pass game weapon on top of his ridiculous running ability. So – He's a total package. I don't. I don't see a reason. You know, I, he's probably the only guy in this entire class that profiles as a true bell cow running back to me, a guy who should play pretty much every snap he possibly can, similar to how Christian McCaffrey did in Carolina all those years. Um, I don't see another guy in this class with all of those traits in one player. I'm really curious to see how high he gets drafted. Where do you so think, curious. It's going to be really interesting because everybody says he's so good. Uh, by and, the way, Ross, yeah. I'll be shocked if he's not a first round pick. Like stunned. Like I, I think the talk is like uh, the talk is that he's going to be a first round pick. And I know we we don't value running backs that way anymore. I mean, Brett, uh, have you seen anybody suggesting he's not going to be a first round pick? Not really. No, I, I was talking to Scott Baird about this last night. Actually, uh, we actually did a, a film session and we watched Bijan. He hadn't watched him yet, so. Uh, one of the things I kind of pointed out to Scott is like, when you look at the draft order, say starting at like six, all the way to 25, it's really hard to find a landing spot for him because just it's running back. It's, it's a position that's been devalued a little bit over the years. We haven't seen a a huge run of first round running backs going lately. 
So for for him to, I think he will go in that range, but it's, I don't think you're going to be able to to peg the team that's going to do it. I think it's going to be a surprise. I think someone's just going to bet on the talent and just say, you know what, this guy's so freaking good. We just can't let him go, even though we need 19 other things. And, you know, there's other positions we had kind of pencil marked as, you know, where we wanted to go. I th- I think he will be a surprise. And it, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, he went to like Atlanta or something at eight. You know, I'm, I'm just yeah. throwing a team out there. Like, it, I think that'd be perfectly reasonable for for his talent level. Hey, Ross. Yeah. I talked to Paul Kelly on Sirius XM yesterday. Okay. And, he came up with the team that might be a surprise. But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Tennessee. The Chargers. Oh. Austin Eckler wants a trade. They're picking at 21. Now, I don't know if Bijan lasts that long, but they're picking at 21, which is where, like, I think you could probably, even if you're anti-running back in the first round, you could probably start to talk yourself, you know, uh, Teams might have 16 first-round grades, and this is the best player on their board. If the Chargers are like, all right, Austin Eckler wants a trade, we're just going to replace him with a beast, that one that one would that, that would uh, get, the, get the nether regions feeling something uh, from a fantasy perspective, I got to tell you. They're going to take a D lineman. They're, they're, I think they're going to take somebody on defense, but yeah. that is an interesting thought. I got to tell you, the best thing he's got going in my mind, I just love the name Bijan. I just love saying it. Like, I want that guy on my running back just so I can say Bijan. He's like Madonna. I'm like, convinced. nobody says Saquon Barkley. They just say Saquon. Now it'd just be Bijan. I, uh, um, I'm convinced no Sean Moreno was a first-round pick because his name was no Sean Moreno. <laughs> I like it. All right, Brett, let's move on. Who is uh, RB2 for you? RB2 is Gibbs. I think Gibbs is a tremendous talent. Uh, his burst and accelerate, he kind of has the, there's three premier running back traits when I'm scouting running backs I look for, and it's it's burst, it's vision, and it's ability to create beyond your blockers. That gets you to the table, in, in my eyes, as a, as a legit running back, and Gibbs checks all three of those boxes. Incredible vision, inc- like ridiculous burst. He erodes defenders' angles like it's akin to Jalen Waddle when he was at Alabama the way he's able to do that. Um, and then you put into the the mix his work in the pass game. He's an exceptional route runner. Now, I was a little disappointed with the way Alabama deployed him last year. They didn't get him in the slot enough. You saw Bijan doing that stuff more than Gibbs. They didn't get him out wide. They, didn't, they, they weren't too creative with how they used him. So he's running uh, a more true running back route tree, you know, a lot of flare routes and, you know, angle routes and stuff like that. I, I want to see – a t- I want to see Gibbs land on a team where they're going to give him the opportunity to, you know, motion him out in the slot and to get one-on-one with the linebacker and, and see if he can uh, be a devastating force in that regard. But I, all of those traits and, and his ability in the pass game just makes him a huge, a huge win for me. That's pretty, he's in his own tier, by the way, I have Bijan as my RB one. I have Gibbs as my RB two in his own tier. And then there's like a cluster of five guys after that, that, that I like. Is it fair to say like, is Bijan a guy that you feel like um, can hit home runs? Like, you know how when Saquon gets the ball, you're always kind of like, uh-oh, like he could go. And I feel like Gibbs is that way. Is Bijan like that or not quite? Yeah, B- Bijan has that explosiveness to his game. It's not quite on the – he's not quite as sudden as, say, Gibbs or even Devin A-Chain, but – what Bijan? Have you seen the movie Braveheart? I'm sure you have. Of course, you seem like a Braveheart guy. So, yeah. William Wallace, like 
so Bijan reminds me of William Wallace running on the battlefield. He just takes out one guy after another. He just that's Bijan forcing missed tackles in the open field. It's just like one defender, boom, I killed you. Next guy, boom, I killed you. Next guy, boom, I killed you. And then eventually there's not gonna be anyone left to kill and he's just gonna score a touchdown. Um, that's awesome. I like that comparison. I like hey, hey Ross, you better jot it down your notes for that one, by the way, because <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the first William Wallace. He's like but... William Wallace. And I am He's just taking him down one at a time. Um, love that. Uh, and I love that about Gibbs. I'm, you know, I'm curious to see where Gibbs ends up because he could be exciting. Those two seem like the consensus, Brett, and you have them as in their own tiers. Who's kind of, in your mind, the the best of the rest? Well, so when Joe was getting into his, you know, conversation about guys being scheme-specific or team-specific, that's very true for this next group of guys. And I don't even really know how to sort them out. I think I like Zach Charbonnet the best. He scores the best for me. But this tier of five guys is Zach Charbonnet, Texas running back Roshan Johnson, the other Texas back. Tulane running back Tajay Spears, Auburn running back Tank Bigsby, and TCU running back Kendra Miller. Those are the next group of guys, but they all have pretty clear-cut deficiencies, and I think it really is landing spot dependent for those guys. Like if Zach Charbonnet landed on a a Detroit, for example, I know they just signed Montgomery, so probably not uh, the best example, but pre-Montgomery signing, like he would be a, a monster there. Uh, he, I think he'd be a candidate to lead the league in rushing if he landed in a situation like that. Um, Charbonnet, like Tennessee, replacing Derrick Henry eventually, or Atlanta, you know, where they're, you know, running that Arthur Smith run scheme, a lot of pullers and stuff like that. I, I think, I think he'd be phenomenal in both those situations. All right, I got three guys I'm curious about. Okay, um, I called a couple of his games last year at UAB. Dwayne McBride, he was good. I mean, he, that that kid's good. Contact balance, like I was impressed by him. What did you think of him? Yeah, he he is good. He, I would say he's probably my favorite day three guy. Guy, I'm projecting him to go in the day three. He scores as a day three guy for me. So if you're looking for a fourth round sleeper, you know he might go higher than that for sure. But this dude plays the running back position like a linebacker. Like stick your face in a fan. I'm I'm bigger and stronger than you. I'm going to run you over. Very physical run style. I think I think that will be endearing to a lot of teams. And he carried a load, man. How many carries did he have last year? Like over 300, right? Led, led the nation in rushing yards. I know that. So um, the big knock on McBride is the the pass game stuff. Like five catches over the last two seasons. That's, uh, you know, that, that's like, that's barely more than Joe Dolan last year in college football. <laughs> <laughs> that's have good funny. hands. Small, but good. They're small hands, but they're good hands. What about Ty J Spears from Tulane? It feels like he's got some juice, Brett. Yeah, Spears to me is like a a, a slightly poor man's Jameer Gibbs. They do a lot of the same things. Uh, the Spears in the pass game is really attractive. I guess the, the knock on both Gibbs and Spears is at 200 pounds. What is their realistic ceiling as from a fantasy standpoint? Of course, I don't think NFL teams care as much about that, but from a fantasy standpoint, like how much of the load can these guys reasonably carry at 200 pounds? Um, but Spears, man, he's dynamic. He, he's explosive. He had a rep in mobile at a senior bowl practice where it literally looked like he teleported. The linebacker that was covering him had absolutely no idea where he went. He was literally looking over both shoulders, trying to find him. And uh, Spears has some some ridiculous route running ability for a running back on tape, too. Uh, again, I, I think he's he's a really, really good player, and he needs to land in the right spot, though. 
But Gibbs is only 200 pounds too, right? Yeah, that's, that's why I lumped those guys together. Um, all right, what about – who's the other one I wanted to ask you about? Oh, I guess I'm a little surprised having watched some Syracuse football. I'm a little, I'm a little surprised that there isn't more love for Sean Tucker. Now, I don't like – I'm not like you, Brad. I don't sit there and watch these guys play-by-play play and, and break them down. But um, first of all, you know, he's my cousin – Secondly, you know, he's got the incredible last name. Watching him, I mean, I think he broke like every Syracuse record. They've had some pretty good running backs there. What are the knocks on him? Biggest knock on Sean Tucker is he doesn't really create beyond his blockers. He's a, oh, interesting. He's a good vision guy, and he's got, he's got exceptional bursts. Kind of has like Tony Pollard-esque burst, where it's like as soon as he gets the ball, he's just boom. It's like a missile, but... Yeah, didn't he have a great 40 time or something? Or they say he's really fast? Yeah, yeah. He he had a he had a pretty good 40 time. I think his 10 yard split though was like one four nine, which is what you expect when you watch him on tape. Um very you know, very acceleration driven running back, but when he gets to contact, he just he folds kind of. Doesn't have any jukes in the bag, doesn't have any make you miss moves, not an overly physical player. Sometimes he kind of just resorts to uh I'm I'm caught and and goes down. You'd like to see him be a little more physical or start to, you know, learn some some make you miss type moves. That's a big knock for me. I being able to create beyond your blockers is what really separates, I would say, average to above average running backs. He's also got some questions in the pass game too. Really, really weird catching technique that isn't great. And he was not good in pass pro either. Although most college running backs aren't good in pass pro because they spend you know, five minutes a week training pass pro for running backs. So it's not like pretty much every running back in this class is pretty raw in that regard. That's interesting. I don't really remember how much pass pro the running backs did in college. I know in the NFL, they do a lot, yes. a lot of pass pro, and it's important. You know what Sean Tucker and McBride should do to improve in the passing game? Catch Labatt Blue Lights from fraternity guys. Just go to a fraternity house and have fraternity guys winging Labatt Blue Lights at you. I've actually seen this. Softens up your hands. It's amazing how hard they can throw a Labatt Blue Light, a full beer can like that, just snagging it with one hand across the outdoor courtyard as the band is playing. Listen, that's how you take your life to the next level. That's how you get your receiving props and chops to the next level. Drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Joe, I got two more guys to ask Brett about, but I'm curious. Plus, I don't like that you like think you're getting out of actually talking on the show. So I want to include you and make hey, you unmute your voice every I'm once tw- in a while. I'm, t- I'm talking with my fingers, man. I'm tweeting and everything. So don't worry. I'm uh, I, I'm taking notes myself. Do you um, do you study prospects at all, Joe, or do you just lean on the Bretts and the Cosells of the world? So um, I take their words. And I don't have a trained eye here. Now, I mean, I watch football for a living, so I can tell when I really like a guy. Um, But I take their words, and I try to apply them to what I'm seeing. So, look, anybody can tell B. John Robinson's great, you know? Uh, 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 Anybody could tell Saquon Barkley was great when he was in college. That's not hard to see. Before the guys like a Zach Charbonnet. Now, I know Zach Charbonnet's piling up rushing yards in college, but 
you know, he plays in Chip Kelly's offense. Everybody piles up rushing yards in Chip Kelly's offense. So I'm trying to see if I can figure out where these traits that Brett likes are coming out. So, no, I do not consider myself a draft expert. Um, but I do start to wonder, um, you know, if there's some things that maybe I'm seeing that maybe I should I should apply and say, like, for instance, C.J. Stroud, I know we're going back to the quarterbacks. I had some, and I think this is the big concern, like watching him, I thought you know, stylistically, I thought he kind of reminded me of Sam Bradford. Um, which, which, and by the way, Sam Bradford was an excellent college quarterback and was the number one overall pick. So, but, and and then he had some injuries, but I thought maybe under pressure, I thought when he has time to throw, you know, I, I just, sometimes I come up with these comparisons based on what I'm seeing subconsciously. And I don't necessarily know like what I'm looking at from a really aesthetic detailed standpoint. And sometimes things just come to mind, but I rely on 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 Brett for for ninety percent of this stuff. Yeah, we didn't talk about this last week. My issue with Stroud is, like every game I watch, there's no pressure on him, and nobody's ever covered Chris Olave ever. I mean, and I know that he had played without him this past year, but like some of these touchdowns that Garrett Wilson and Olave scored, it's like. Are they playing with nine guys on defense? What what are they even doing? And then this year, man, it just felt like he kept going to the Marvin Harrison Jr. well when he had to. And, I mean, I I think the Georgia game helped him tremendously. By far the best game. Because it showed he could move. It showed he could do it with a dirty pocket. Like, he needed that. All right, two more guys I wanted to ask you about, Um, Brett. I don't even know how to say his last name, but the dude, Israel, the dude from Pitt. Ebenaconda. Okay, yeah, him. Israel Ebenaconda. I just talked about him on uh, Mr. Hansen's podcast, or uh, sorry, radio show last week. Um, but yeah, Izzy is a, he's another guy that's right in the mix. So a lot of these guys, when you talk about the depth of this class, Ross, you're, you're looking at, you know, are there guys that can play? And there's probably 17 of them that I think can play in the NFL, like at a, at a good level. The problem is, is there's not a lot of dudes, not a lot of there's no there's one Bijan in this class. Charbonnet might be another guy who is considered a a workhorse back. Everyone else is going to be kind of role specific. And Izzy is is no different than that. He's going to be a, a early down back, at least starting off in his career. Um, he's he's a physical runner, really, really patient running style. He's got good vision, but he's like almost patient to a fault where he's setting up those blockers. He's he's really nuanced in the way he kind of approaches the the point of attack. And he's really good about forcing second level players to peak gaps or even defensive linemen to peak gaps that are two gapping. And then, you know, once he gets a commitment from them, he's, he's really good about exploding into another hole. I think he's pretty limited though, to early downs. He's not a guy who's going to make a ton of dudes miss. He he does play physical though. So he's going to generate yards after contact, but it's going to be via, you know, war and fighting and, and wrestling out there. So, um, you know that sometimes when when that's the only way guys can can win, it, it's concerning because you know he's going to take a lot. He's going to take a beating in the NFL, and then in the pass game, he's another one of these guys who's just really raw as a pass protector, like really really raw. And for that's also going to limit him to getting on the field in third downs. I do think when you see him catch the football, he does look like more of a natural hands catcher than the guy we just talked about, Sean Tucker. I, I do see that as maybe something he can develop, but. He's got a long way to go in the pass game for him to ever probably be a, a guy that, you know, you're putting on the field in pass down situations. 
What uh, what about Zach Evans, Ole Miss? That was the last one I, I definitely wanted to ask you about. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't love Evans' tape at all. Um, going back to his TCU days, you know, he basically w- got beat out by Kendra Miller for a job, and the, which is why he transferred to Ole Miss. And then at Ole Miss, he you know had a, had an opportunity to kind of have the Zach Evans show once more, and he just didn't produce at a high level. He doesn't have, I don't think he's got very good visions, not an overly bursty guy, not going to make a ton of guys miss. He's just kind of a, you know, he can play, he can play a little bit for sure. I think, I think he's a probably destined to be a a solid rotational back. Someone who, you know, is is a good backup. He can, you know, he can work in the pass game a little better than some of these other guys, but I, I think he's pretty limited overall in his game. You need to check him out on social media like I do, at BG. Do you have any under-the-radar guys, by the way? Do you have any, um, like, sleepers that you liked way down the board? I, I don't know what consensus is on Kenny McIntosh, the Georgia running back, but he he does profile as a guy who could potentially be a workhorse because he's really, really freaking good in the pass game. Really good route runner, really good receiver. Um, he's got a litany of deep targets at Georgia where, like, they, they've got him working way downfield, catching the ball. Um, he annihilates linebackers one-on-one. So if you get him on that two-way go, he is going to kill them. Uh, and he's, he's a big, bigger guy. He's like 210 pounds. I think he's, you know, I think he's a, another poor man's Gibbs kind of, but he'll give you a lot of that same value in the pass game. And then I think he's a, a, a decent runner as well. At BG Whitefield is how you get more of Brett. Hopefully we'll be getting more of Brett next couple of weeks as we dive into tight ends and wide receivers. At FG underscore Dolan is how you always get in touch with Joe Dolan on social media. I am, of course, at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod, and I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft, all available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.